there are uh, two reasons that I really like that, that verse that Mike read. One is that uh, it talks about how they reported what the Lord was doing. I and mean, I think that's really significant. What I'm about to share with you, I don't intend at all to be about things that I've been doing, but rather what the Lord's been doing. And the second thing I like about that verse is that it says it spent, they spent a long time with the disciples. So I'm glad to be back home and spend a long time with my family and my family here. First thing that I want to share is that everywhere I went, people always said, send greetings to the church there in Pittsburgh. Everywhere. And that's a custom there. When you go to a church, if someone's visiting from another congregation, they'll say, the church sends greetings to you from such and such a church, where they're from. And the church will always respond with, Amen, meaning like, we hear, we hear that greeting. And so I, I, I'll just say all of the churches in Guatemala that I visited send their greetings. And I like that, that habit. Before I show you some pictures, I want to tell you just a little. We're, I'm just going to kind of go through the trip chronologically. I thought, though, it was really cool that even before the trip really started, God was working. What I mean is, on the plane trip there, there's a man that I sat beside who told me his life story, basically. His name was Ronaldo, and told me how he used to be a super successful businessman. I guess he still is, in a way. And he lived in Bermuda. He was, you know, tan and strong and... Went to parties every night, drove a really, really nice car, went to parties every night. But he said he would, he would always come home with a tear in his eye. He knew that his life was unfulfilled, unfulfilling. And told me about then how he started to believe in Jesus and that, that story. But it was, it was cool to me that even before the Triple even got, hardly got started, I could already see God working. He gave me his business card and uh, so we know we have contact with him. So the first thing I'll say is that Guatemala is full of natural beauty. The last preacher that I was with in Guatemala emphasized that because a lot of times I feel like what happens is people who are from the United States go to a foreign country like Guatemala that is somewhat diff- distinct and different from the U.S. nearly everywhere is and talk about the poverty. The poverty. And they talk about you know, and kind of the image that they give of countries like this is everyone there is completely destitute. But I, I think that's just not true. It's not true that everywhere there, everyone there is destitute. You have poverty here in Pittsburgh. There, there's people begging downtown. There's people in Southside who live in tents. You know, like there's, uh, there's, there's poverty here. Well, actually, I didn't see any people living like that in Guatemala. I know that there are as well, but I didn't see anyone like that. Most everyone there that I know has has everything that they need. And I think it's when they see American television or something like that, they see what other people have, that you have things like mass exiting of, of, of males to to the U.S. To, to, to get higher paying jobs and things like that uh, because they're discontent with com- the comfort that they have in their own country. I was very comfortable the whole time I was there. Not because it necessarily was identical to how I live here, but because it was comfortable. Uh, but anyway, the, uh, a preacher near the end of my trip reminded me, though there, are, there is some uh, lack in Guatemala as far as economically, there is a lot of richness and a lot of blessing that comes from God there um, that we should be thankful for. So I just want to show you, if this, this picture is one of a volcano, Tahukum, I think that's what it's called, one of the tallest volcano in, in Guatemala. One of the poorest families I stayed with lives 
like right here. Like they live, I mean, in a house on these mountains in these coffee farms, and they're beautiful. But also, this is, this is a picture of just to show how different, though, also Guatemala is. You have, you know, cows that clog up the streets because they're herding cows here. I don't know if you can see that. They have, you know, Guatemala is the place where three-year-olds play with knives near fire. So it's, it is quite different as well. You know, it's not that everything is the same. Uh, people are the same, I think, anywhere you go. But the, uh, cultures are different. And this is not any alcoholic beverage. It's coffee, believe it or not. doesn't look like coffee, does it? Something that's so ironic to me is they have the most amazing coffee in Guatemala. I just showed you the coffee farm. But they don't drink it. They export it. The dr coffee that they drink day-to-day -day is instant coffee. I never went into one home where they didn't drink instant coffee with lots of sugar. And it's like, like you can tell, it's like a quarter of a, of a teaspoon of, of instant coffee and, and like a whole pitcher of water, you know. It's nothing. Anyway, that's just to say that there is some big differences, big differences. I'll tell you one more. This shocked me, no pun intended, but the last place I went, they talked about how the electric company had basically hiked the prices up for everyone from like 120 quetzales to 150 quetzales, which doesn't sound that bad, but then they doubled it, 300 quetzales, and then from there brought it up to 500 quetzales and just kept bringing it up. People are incurring these large debts. No one can pay this. So they complain, they have protests in the, in the streets, things like that. But get this, the electric company has the leaders of those protests put to death. They don't lower the prices, and the conscientious people who want to pay their debts start paying them, and then after they've paid a couple payments, they receive back a full bill with no payments on it, and they just stole the money. As well as, I cannot even believe this, that they do this, but because no one was paying, I wonder why, they would surge the electricity and fry all the, the appliances maliciously um, to get back at people. So anyway, there's problems there, obviously. That, that shocked me, and you would, you would really never find that here in the U.S. That would never happen. So my point in all of that was to show you the beauty as well as the challenges that are in Guatemala. So the first place that we went, this is actually an old picture because I did a very poor job of taking pictures in some places. But the first church that we went to was in La Brigada, in Guatemala City. The church is called La Brigada. They, the church has no uh, full-time evangelists, but and Enrique is one of the most notable leaders of the congregation there. And we stayed with him while we were in Guatemala City. I just really came to love Enrique a lot. One thing that I think stands out about him is that he is a peacemaker, which is not typical in Guatemala. I think I may say this later, but I'll go ahead and say it now, too, that Guatemala has been largely evangelized by, I won't mention names, but certain individuals who tend to be divisive. I'll just say that, tend to be divisive. And so, and so you see a lot of division and a lot of divisive attitudes in Guatemala. That's a problem there. But I feel like Enrique stands out in that way and that he is not that. He is a peacemaker. And he's passionate about the truth. He has conviction, but he also has mercy. That's one thing I really appreciate about him. And they have a really great, pretty large church, larger than us, there in Guatemala City. And they're not the only church in Guatemala City either. They're the only one that I visited, though. We stayed in their home. His wife's name is Carmen. He, he is the kind of person who is an evangelist but doesn't get paid for it. Anytime that he has opportunity, he's always sharing the gospel with people. He's a, he's a talker. And he uh, shared the gospel with this family. They became Christians. They're actually one of probably the richest families in Guatemala city, actually, maybe in all of Guatemala, I'm not sure. That's not why he 
evangelize to them just because they're people. But anyway, they became Christians, started coming to the church there. But then Manolo, the husband, kind of fell away into a, uh, I don't know if you guys heard of Watchman Nee, Wiseman Lee. It's, it's a, a pretty prominent leaders of a denomination. And in, Sp- in Spanish, it's called Recobro. I don't, I don't actually know what it's called in English. But uh, they have their own study Bible. And so anyway, he bought one. And he's reading through it to figure out, like, what do they believe? Like, what... There's actually a lot of similarities, at least the church there in Guatemala City. There's a lot of similarities between the Church of Christ and Recobro. And so I think at first Manolo didn't see the differences. But now, now as Enrique is bringing up to him these differences, we're praying that, that Manolo sees the air of his way there and, and comes back. I think one cool thing about Manolo, though, we went over to their house, is that when he became a Christian, he changed his name to Manolito. For a couple reasons. One is to signify that he's a new person. He gave himself a new name. It's it's a diminutive of his name, like like Bob or Bobby, be kind of like that. But it'd be like call it, your name being Bob, and then when you became Christian, you called yourself Bobby. It makes you sound smaller a little bit. It makes you sound younger, kid-like almost. And Manolo, being one of the richest men in Guatemala, I, I don't actually know. I mean, he's probably among the richest. He's among the richest probably that I've ever met in my life. He used that diminutive to. Say now I'm Manolito, like I'm not, I'm not important. Like in the world, they might see me as important, but in the kingdom, I'm like the same as everyone. And he treated the brethren there the same as anyone else. I, I just thought that was really, really cool to see that attitude in him. Like I said, we need to pray for him though, because I know he's he's. It's only been maybe a year that he's been a Christian, and he's already kind of struggling with to know, you know, where do I go from here? And and right now, part of the Recobro Church. I have another picture here of the church in Guatemala City. I, I didn't always get a picture of everyone, but these are two, especially the one on the left there is a notable young man that I met. Uh, I felt like he was, was very passionate about the scriptures. His name is Nelson um, and his brother, Manolo. That's not the Manolo I was just talking about, though. It's a different Manolo. So this this Manolo is a, is a, is a Christian there in La Brigada. In Guatemala City, I taught two lessons there, primarily on the Holy Spirit. That was kind of one of the big purposes I went to, is that Mario was telling me, who accompanied me, who later on you will see in a picture, that they hardly talk about the Holy Spirit in the churches there. I was like, whoa, we should talk about that. We should study him. And I feel like it was very well received there. So thank God for that. I passed through Shela. Shela's where typically would be kind of on the well-trodden path of those who visit Guatemala, you might say. But I did not spend much time there this time because I wanted to go to some of the other places that received little encouragement or less encouragement. We passed through, but we did not stay there. But I'll tell you that one of the pillars in Shela for a long time was is Jeronimo there on the left. A couple of years ago, I think, his wife passed away. Hippolita passed away. And he since has remarried this lady named Julia. And he lives now far away from Shela. He happened to be there visiting, but he lives far away. So just pray for the church in Shela in Urbina. I think they're doing very well. They're one of the strongest churches that I know of in all of Guatemala. But I know Jeronimo misses them, and now where he is, is a really little church out in the sticks. Like, you think the woods here are really remote, kind of, but there it's super remote. Um, no electricity, no no running water. That's rare in Guatemala, actually, by the way. It's not typical for there not to be running water or electricity. Everywhere I went had running water or electricity. But he's in a place now where they don't have that and to get to church, he said the river impedes them and they don't have a bridge where they need it to be. 
And so they have to drive like an hour, whereas it would typically take them like 20 minutes to get there. So that makes it challenging to get to where the church meets. In Shela, though, also, actually in Guatemala City and in Shela, we were with this couple, Bilsai and Bilma. And this is something that I want everyone to pay special attention to, is that Bilma right now is going through uh, cancer treatment. I found this out just when I got there. And she has uh, ovarian cancer. And I'll show you an example of someone else who is sick in a minute. But Bilma, I feel like, has a wonderful attitude. She was always upbeat. She was uh, full of faith and dealing with her trial. So that was one thing that encouraged me quite a bit. But they do need financial help with that. The uh, radiation is 880 quetzales for each radiation treatment, which is about $145 per radiation treatment. Of a total of at the end, which I think it's already begun this week, at a total at the end of like $4,200 of radiation treatment. And they don't like have insurance there the same way. If you are well off enough to be able to pay for a private health care, then it's a lot nicer, but most people aren't, so they get public, but they don't have insurance in Guatemala, really, typically speaking. So anyway, I know that they've, they've been talking to Guatemalan churches to receive help, as well as appealing to churches here in the U.S. If anyone would like to help with that, we could do like a, a separate collection for that. Then the next place we went was Huehuetenango, and there's just basically one family here in Huehuetenango in the church there. Some things have changed, though, since I've been there. One is that Luis, the man on the left, as well as Jordi, the man right here, have both gotten married, and Luis has had a child since then, So, and their wives are now Christians, and uh, but not, have not been Christians very long, so we need to pray for them. And Jordi's just been married three months, and his wife has only been a Christian like less than a month, so we just need to pray for them. And their father, uh, there's, there's actually four boys in all. I think I have pictures of the other two boys here. Oscar and Jorge, their father passed away about five years ago. And since then, the, the church has just been their family, their mom and the four boys now, uh, as well as their wives. And they've had, at times, other conversions uh, where they had three ladies that were converted, but then stopped attending with them. Also, while I was there in Huehuetenango, we visited uh, a lady whose, whose father is a member of another church, in, a, in the next city that we're going to go, that I, that I went to. Her name is Yoli or Yolanda. And we went there. We had a study there. There are a bunch of different churches in Guatemala. Almost everyone is religious in some way. And you have like a lot of Pentecostals. You have a denomination called the Central American Church. And then you also have a bunch of churches of Christ. And I don't even know what all of them believe, but like a lot of them use that term Church of Christ and then have some other word to refer to what they, what they are or, or their beliefs in some way or to make themselves distinct from other churches of Christ. So this, Yolanda, was part of what's called the Church of Christ, Miel, and that's the word honey. I know that sounds really weird in English, but that's the, church part, that's the church that she was a part of. But we had a study with her and talked with her for a little while. Another cool thing about being here in Way with Anango was, was to see Lucy, is the mother of the four boys right here. She talked to me in detail about how she raised her boys after the passing of her husband, and just how... The most important thing to her was that they follow the Lord. Three of her sons now are, are Christians, the two oldest as well as Oscar on the left. Jorge is not a Christian yet. And just that she talked about not telling them what to do, but to giving them the independence to, like guiding them and giving them the independence to live their lives and seek the Lord on their own and make their own choices, and, and but guide them 
and I just was really impressed with her attitude about that. I'll mention one other thing. While we were visiting there, there were several others present that I don't have pictures of. They were they were working in there in the panaderia, the the bread store with the family, and two of them were Christians, uh, but one of them was not. Her name was Martha, and she is a Catholic. She's from Honduras, but she attended all the services. We had about three, yeah, we had three services, lessons and and uh, worship services while we were there, and she attended all of them, and I got to talk to her for a little while. So that was a good opportunity as well. So pray for Martha. She's not a Christian, but was living there with them, and it was a really cool opportunity for that. The next place we went was San Pedro, and this is Farinas, who's uh, the evangelist there. Mar- By the way, Marta, though, I've been talking about Marta, though, but there's a picture of him. He's the one who accompanied me on the trip, and a very, very good evangelist as well. This is the car- This is some of the people in the congregation there. I'll say two things. One... Uh, Abdias is there on the left who I'm talking to. He was telling me that for about seven years, his family suffered with sick children. And it, it put it in perspective a little bit because he said in the, ba- in the past year and a half, you know, they've had colds and flus and things like that, but nothing like it was. And he didn't t- go into detail, but that showed me like he's not just talking about sick children like we would have like sick children, like they have a flu or they have a cold. Um, like he had sick children for seven years and uh, like dealing with really severe sicknesses. But then he said in the last year and a half, it's been a lot better thanks to God. And so I rejoice with him in that. That's, I think that's a really cool uh, to see how God has, has brought them out of that, brought them through that trial. Also uh, this lady right here, her name is America, which in English is America. <laughs> and uh, she's also dealing with a lot of health problems right now as well. Not everyone is. I just, end up mentioning them a lot, but she is, is I think, more down. Uh, she was, in, to me, a contrast from Bilma. Bilma was like, with the Lord's help, we're going to get through this. You know, like, she was super encouraging, even in that state. There was another lady last, last year when I was there, Maria, who we stayed with, who was the same way. She was like, we're going to get through this. She, she made my daughter a hand-knit dress while we were there, being like, Say, like she fainted during church, we had to carry her back home. Like she was not good, and uh, her bile duct was was closed up. But she was like, she was always talking about the Lord, and she was like super encouraging. But anyway, I would say America though was a kind of a contrast to that. Not everyone deals with sicknesses in the same way, but she was definitely down, and so we need to pray for her in that way because of her. Uh, this trial that she's going through is not. It's uh, very difficult for her. Okay, let me back up real quick. I want to talk about Farinas just a, for another moment. Him, Enrique, and another man I'm going to show you soon. Well, Jerónimo, who I showed you earlier. Enrique, who I showed you in the first slide. And Farinas, and one other man I'm going to show you at the end. I feel like are some of the strongest men in all of Guatemala that I know. The best teachers, the, the most zealous men. I, I really respect Farinas a lot. He's a wonderful man. Anyway, he recently told me about his trip to Cuba. He, he also is a foreign evangelist. Like, he goes places and encourages places in places where others can't go. One interesting fact, according to him, and I don't know all the rules, I haven't looked them up, but according to him, it's illegal for uh, people in the United States to visit Cuba, but he, being from Guatemala, can go. And so that's a cool opportunity that he has that people in the United States don't. I will say, though, that uh, people from the United States did accompany him on this trip illegally, and they don't stamp your passport, like they won't stamp it if you don't want them to. 
And because if it was found out that you did go, according to him, that you'd have to pay $30,000 as a fine. So it's, it's encouraging, too, seeing people take that risk. Or maybe, I, I'm, not, I'm actually not sure what I think about that. But anyway, Farinas went legally and encouraged the brethren there in Cuba and told some really cool stories about that. How they are quite isolated, not able to receive much encouragement from the outside, but, but zealous. Oh, this is just a picture of, uh, there was a man who was old and, and very sickly, and he was, try he was struggling with this bag of corn, trying to carry it, and it uh, looked like he was about to fall over, and Mardo just like picked it up and carried it for him. So this just shows you like Mardo's heart like for people there, and he's a servant. Okay, uh, the next place that we went was called San Rafael. This is a cool picture of San Rafael, the city, from up in the mountains. We, uh, this, is a, this is not just the congregation in San Rafael. This is San Rafael plus Catarina plus Piedra Parada plus Colimados. So this was like four churches together who came together for the, the series of studies on this one day where we had four studies on the Holy Spirit. They were all together. It was hot. And, but they were there, like, joining in this, and super. it was super encouraging. There is a lady there on her cell phone, but we haven't started yet, so. Anyway, so, and it was really super encouraging uh, to be with all of them. Like I said before, the concepts of the Holy Spirit are very limited there. I mean, that's not unlike the U.S. in a lot of ways. And so it was really, I thought, a good, good thing to talk about there. Also, being in a big group like this, uh, there are probably 80 people there. To hear their singing was super encouraging. Even when there are five people together, they sing as loud as they can. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. Like, I, I literally, I, I tested this. I actually sang as loud as I could to see if I stood out, and I did not stand out. I sounded no different than anyone else, and you could not hear me in a crowd singing as loud as I actually possibly could. I, I wanted to play for you real quick. Just, uh, it won't, it won't, you won't get the effect, but I want to play for you some of their singing real quick. This was at this study. You can recognize the tune, probably. play one more that this is a this is a song we don't have in English well, let me pause it for this is a, a cool song it's the very first song in their hymn book and it's a song of welcome to one another let me back up real quick so one th one practice that they have is they always when they come in is they greet everyone they they go up and they greet everyone in the church like um, so if I'm sitting down when people come in I'll get like 20 people coming by me greeting me you know, or if I'm later on, I learned like if I come in, then I'll go around. If, I, if I'm a little bit later, you know, then I'll come in and I'll greet everyone, you know, go around and greet every single person. Uh, but anyway, this is a song of greeting, of welcoming, and they sing it with heart.
So that's just a sample. But I sing that as loud as I possibly can. Um, I know that doesn't really give the effect, but. So again, uh, one thing that I thought was especially encouraging about this study is that the Holy Spirit is very little studied. People uh, appreciated it, that like they were very receptive to this. And one thing I appreciate, and I think that is changing in Guatemala, I mentioned this earlier, that in the past, there was division over every little thing, every little thing. I think part of that is, is because Guatemala being very religious in nature, and I'm not saying moral, but I'm saying religious, like there are lots and lots of churches, and almost everyone's part of some church, what the Christians know their best is what makes them distinct from other churches. They know that doctrine very well. But sometimes, even to the neglect of the gospel itself, and to the neglect of things like the Holy Spirit. So I thought that that was one reason why this was was helpful. And I thought I think that it is something that's changing in Guatemala. I, I saw this more and more uh, than I have in the past. The people had receptive hearts and weren't just looking for controversy. So I'm, I thank God for that because it seemed like every trip I've taken, I've seen a little bit more like peacemaking attitude in people and love in people. And I thank God for that. I'll take this moment just to talk about something that that doesn't have a great spot to talk about it. But it's uh, that Guatemala right now has no elders in the churches, at least as far as I know. Everyone I talk to, they would say, we don't have any elders in Guatemala. Which is a problem, because there are men that are qualified. So shortly before my trip, there were uh, three men that went down. George Hutto from Alabama. And Jesus Guerrero, which is a really cool name, by the way. Jesus Guerrero in English means Jesus warrior. And I think his son, Marcos. They they came and uh, George Hutto was kind of the teacher. Jesus Guerrero was his translator. And um, anyway, the they went down. And one of the main things that they taught about was about elders. George Hutto is an elder. Um, he's in his 70s in Alabama. And he came down. And he's his third trip as well. And he, they taught about that. And they got all the preachers together. And as well as other leaders in the churches, and they got them together and um, and spoke and, and studied about this. And I asked every every like leader in the church that I met, I asked them this question, like, why aren't there elders in Guatemala? And they gave me three different answers. I just want to share that with you, just something to think about. The first man, uh, Enrique, told me that he thought it was because of two things: one, because in Guatemala, at least in Guatemala City that it's uh, like a woman-dominated culture and that uh, in most of the homes, the men are passive, the women dominate. And also because there's so much immorality and so children get swept, easily swept away into that. I later found out that that may be kind of unique to Guatemala City. Guatemala City is unique in a lot of ways. And that talking to many other people, they said Guatemala as a society, as like a country, is very male-dominated. It's not woman-dominated. So in that way, that may be unique to Guatemala City. But anyway, the second person I talked to, he said that he felt like being becoming an elder had been lifted up on a pedestal so high that it's, like, unattainable. Like, you have to be perfect to be an elder. You know, like, if someone says, you're qualified to be an elder, we think you're qualified, we think you should be an elder, like, oh, no, 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 like, that's that's an honor too high for me, you know, like, as if it were like an honor or uh, like a place of perfection that you had to reach. 
that no one feels like they've, they, they could reach. Uh, but they brought up the point that um, if uh, there's any accusation against an elder, then you have to have a certain number of witnesses to, just to show that elders aren't expected to be perfect. They're humans and they're servants. So uh, then uh, the last man that I asked, he said that uh, he thought it was just a lack of teaching on, like, like young men are not preparing themselves to be elders because the, they don't teach about that. And they don't teach about elders, and so they're not really thinking about it until they're older and um, not preparing themselves at a young age to be be elders. And so that was that was that was helpful to to understand there. And I'm glad that that is they're working through that. And there are some churches where I think that they may, in short, in the future, thank God, uh, establish some elders, which I think it would be really awesome. Okay, these are the Holy Spirit studies. That's what the pulpit looked like. It's a table there. This is this is kind of funny that after the the fir- very first study, I came up to the house I was staying at, and all the kids were there, and they're like, "We want you to teach them." And I'm like, "No one told me I was doing this. All kinds of things." They would just be like, uh, "Eric, you do this. Go, go teach this group." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so they, they they had all these super hyper kids, but I taught them a few songs, and uh, it, it was good. They it was cool because a couple of them really latched onto it, and they. I'm not kidding, probably at least half a dozen times after this would come up to me and be like, okay, let's sing the songs again. And they would, because they, they learn songs by memorizing them. They, I mean, the kids do a lot of times, although some of them can read. But, uh, and even the adults, uh, all they have in their songbook is just, just the words. And some of them can't read as well. They just memorize the songs. Uh, it was not, it was nothing to them, by the way, to not have a a songbook. Here, like, everyone has to have a songbook. If you don't have a songbook, we'll wait for you. Let's make sure they have a songbook, get, get a songbook for them, you know, okay, now we're ready. If you didn't have a songbook, whatever, like, we all know the songs anyway, right? So let's sing them. There's a man who, who led singing, didn't know the song, I mean, didn't, didn't know how to read, and just, he held his, his songbook like this, and uh, led his songs. And uh, I just think that's awesome, though. They, they have them in their hearts, and that's what matters. Anyway, they would throw me in different situations and expect me just to, to go with it. So I, I enjoyed that. Um, uh, the, they, these were some really cool kids, and the future of the church there. And so I think it's super important that, that they are. It's important to them that they could teach their kids. That's not true in every place, but here it, it was true. And even Mardo himself, the one of the evangelists there, would teach the kids. Like that, that's something that's very important to them. So I was thankful for that. These are some other members of the church there, all from pr- primarily one family, the family that I stayed with, Edilma is the one on the end there, and her son, John Kennedy. Valeska Wilkes. Wilkes is one of the other evangelists there, though he's not supported to do that. Conkis, uh, Mardo, and Wiseman. And I told Wiseman, you have a you have a high expectation because you know what your name means, right? Wiseman. Because he didn't know <laughs> what his name meant. But his name is Wiseman. I'll mention one other thing. We had a study on um, purity uh, among some of the young men, and I, I'm, I'm encouraged by... Especially in this this city, a lot of the young men talked to me, and I was really encouraged by that. They have they have good hearts. Okay, this is what I was trying to get to. So this was a group of men from the church there in San Rafael that went out evangelizing. We went we went out. We met a couple of different people. One guy was a a guy who was bedridden in his house named Wilman, and uh, we had a study with him that was really encouraging. I think there's a lot of hope for him. He, he has a good heart. There's another guy that we met in a internet cafe named Kevin. 
um, if you want to pray for those young men. Um, Kevin, I think, right now is, uh, as the seed was sown on his heart, it looked like the thorns were choking it. So you could pray about that, that God would remove those thorns. Um, he is essentially too busy. But we had a good talk with him about that. But I would just encourage that in no other place that I went did I feel like they had such a culture of evangelism as this place. Um, right after the first service, spent probably 15 minutes just at the church being like, okay, you know, where are you going to go? Let's, let's meet here. And that, it was just a church thing. And they, and they met as a church there in the park to go out and evangelize. It was a church thing. It wasn't like an individual thing like it is here, you know. So I was really encouraged by that. And we met a lot of different kinds of people. I already mentioned some of the denominations that you'll see. A lot of Pentecostals, uh, Central American Church, other kinds of churches of Christ, uh, Catholic Church. This uh, group of people, a family here, uh, actually primarily these people. I've been studying with Marto for a long time on Skype, but uh, now a lot of the other ones are joining in uh, in this study. We actually had it this morning. And what we're doing is we're studying the church um, because I feel like uh, when, I, when I, I was reading through some of their pamphlets that they hand out, and it's very much like the old school pamphlets that talk about we're the right church because our name is Church of Christ, we're the right church because, you know, things like that. Essentially mixing up a lot of things uh, between, like, the local church and the, the universal church, things like that. A lot of confusion about that. And so um, the, the, that's, that's a study that we're having there. Uh, I also, they, they would tell you the church is the vehicle, like the bus you get on to go to heaven, you know, kind of thing, and misconceptions like that. Um, the church is an institution rather than as people. So, anyway, that's something that we're studying right now, and I think is is good. Okay, I'll tell you a little bit about Urbano, is the one on the left there. I don't know exactly how to describe Urbano. He's an old, old, little, very petite man, but but passionate at heart, and strong at heart. He has such a soft voice, too. It's like maybe mousy a little bit. But he uh, he's always smiling. He was the one, he, when that 80-person group was together studying the Holy Spirit, he uh, stood up and was like, there's a man next door who is sick in bed, and we need to go pray for him. And so, like, literally all of those people went right next door, and they were like, they filled the room, and it was really, really hot. But we were in there for probably 30 minutes, like, talking to this man about salvation and it was because of Urbano. And Urbano had a chance to speak, and he had this little small voice, but he was just, like, super passionate. And he, he was, like, crying with the man, trying to get him to obey the gospel. Like, um, I really love Urbano there on the left. Uh, this house that we're in, where we had a, another study, is the house of Ramiro and Ingracia. Ramiro, on the left there, is a, a Christian. Uh, his, his daughter was the one that we, we met with, that I mentioned, Yolanda, that we met with in, in Huehuetenango. Ingracia is his wife, who's not a Christian. But we had a study there at their house. I don't think she's able to get out, and so that was a good thing to have the study there in their house. Okay. The next place that we went is Catarina. It's out down on the coast. That also was kind of like uh, we had a, several, a series of studies. This group here you can't see very well, but it was uh, two churches together, Catarina as well as La Fraternidad. And the second church there is one that was not originally tied with like conservative, the conservative line, you might say. Uh, it was originally kind of tied more with maybe a liberal line of churches, but uh, in all of their practices and teaching is conservative now. And so anyway, uh, Elder, 
who I think is in a picture here soon. I'll show you a picture of him real quick. There's Elder Mendez. He also needs to live up to his name as well because there's no elders in, in Guatemala. But um, he uh, invited this other church to come. And so we had a series of studies there on Isaiah 55 and Mark 1. And this, this was a tip, particularly difficult place for me to preach because they have tin, a tin roof. And when it rains, like, and I'm not saying sprinkles, like it monsooned in that place. It was so loud. Like, I thought, okay, well, we'll wait till the rain's over, till we start preaching again, because they're not going to hear me. I don't, they don't have, like, a PA system or, like, a mic or anything. It was so loud. But they had a five-minute recess, and then it's like, okay, go. So I, I yelled as loud as I could. I put on, like, camp voice. And uh, it was it was very a very difficult place to preach, very difficult place to preach. But uh, for about for two different studies, um, I yelled as loud as I could like the whole time. But I do think that uh, everyone heard me, and I was, I was glad for that. I, even the people in the back said that they did hear me, so that was good. But that was a particularly difficult and challenging study. I was really encouraged though by the second church that came in. I had never met them before, and they have a little bit different customs maybe than most of the churches I went to. One is that they don't do the greeting thing. I was like, I stood there and I was expecting everyone to greet me, and like, <laughs> and they just keep passing by and like, hey, hey, how's it going? You know, but they don't do the greeting thing. And at first, I thought I thought they were impolite, you know, like rude kind of. But what they do, their culture is that they come in and they sit down and they pray. Uh, before service, like they don't talk to each other so much. I mean, they'll say hey, but they sit down, and I, I saw a lot of them come in, and they just close their eyes, and they'd be like, you could see their mouth moving, but there, but there wasn't anything coming out, and um, or they would cover their face or something, like they would just sit there and pray. And I was like, oh, that's that's really cool. Like the, I I appreciated that, like come in and get focused right away and pray to God. Uh, I will say one other thing about the yelling. I guess, in the, in a way, though, I, w- I was more passionate because I had to yell. And so, uh, Elder said, until today, you had not preached, brother. <laughs> like, you didn't preach until today. Like, really preach. And I was like, okay. That's just not my way. After the studies, they uh, they had, uh, in a separate place, uh, food. But this was, there were, there were lots and lots of people there. So, this is these are the women who I appreciate so much. Just spending all of their day that morning, the whole day. I mean, they don't just go and, like, buy stuff from Dining Gold. You know, like, they they make all the food. And so, like, they spent all day working, preparing these tamales um, for everyone to eat, which I thought was really cool. And just see, they, they all had servants' hearts. The two last churches that I went to were Colima Dos and Triunfo, this one right here, which I didn't get a good picture of, but I am there at that where that congregation meets. I didn't get a good picture of this one either, but basically both churches are more or less made up of four women each. They're very, very small congregations. Eldard, um, as well as his son, Wilson, go uh, like go and visit these churches to be able to teach and lead the services so they can have a service. Because a lot of these women are, are relatively new converts, and so, I mean, they haven't been Christians for super long. And it's just kind of tricky. Like, what do you do when you have a church that's all women, you know? Um, how do you go about that? And uh, so anyway, Elder and his son Wilson go around and, and encourage them. Uh, Wilson is actually a member at Triunfo, that second church there. Um, I didn't get a picture of him, though. And uh, but I just appreciate them so much. These four, uh, The four women who are in this church, these are most of these are visitors, by the way. 
the lady on the very far left, Esperanza, she's a member at the church in Colimados. But all of the women at some point had their husbands there in the church. At some point they were there. So there were men in the church. But for one reason or another, for them passing away or leaving to go to the U.S., essentially divorcing their spouses to go to the U.S., or just going back to the world. One by one, all the men essentially have filtered out of that church. And um, it's just now women. So pray for that church in Colimados. One really cool thing, though, is there's a lady who, from the U.S., actually she's a Guatemalan lady, but she's she lives in the U.S. now. She was going to help them. This is before the hus- all the husbands left. She was going to help them build a building. So she provided like a loan, essentially, for them to build a building, and they built it. And they were going to be paying back this loan. And they uh, they were having trouble doing it. They were doing it as best they could, but they were having trouble, especially once their husbands left. They are having a big, big trouble paying, paying this loan. And uh, so shortly before I got there, the woman had come to visit Guatemala and said, I'm relieving you of the debt in full, and I'm giving you back the money you already paid me. And I, that just really cool to see that that kind of heart. And they, they have a building now where they can meet and where, God willing, they, they can grow. I'll say one other cool thing about this church. There was uh, there, there were several visiting from San Rafael in this church, as well as the four women there and a few other people from different churches visiting when we had a study here. And there was one lady who was from a denomination who was not a Christian. And she, um, so she was sitting there in the back. And I, I, I presented a study there um, where I basically presented two questions. One of the questions was, how can God be just and forgive us? How can God be, be righteous and merciful at the same time? And I uh, kind of posed the question. And I did it more or less as a class, and I had them answer. And it was really inter- it was fascinating to get the responses. because, And I did that in several different churches. It was fascinating to get the responses because I don't think they understood that, that question well. Um, a lot of them did not. And there were two preachers in this in this study here in Colimados, the first time I ever presented this lesson, and the two gave le- answers that were actually not correct. And then it was this woman, who's a part of a denomination, not even a Christian, over here, who answered it and said, "It's Jesus. Jesus is the Jesus. Death is how God can be. What Romans three says, right?" And she gave the right answer. I was just like, "Wow!" And I, and I told Grady when I told him that story. I know now what I'm preaching on next time I go to Guatemala. Like, I had answers, other answers, like our baptism is what makes God just and justif- able to justify. Our righteousness is what get, makes God just and able to justify. Like, a lot of misunderstanding on just the essence of the gospel there as well. Um, not, I'm not saying everyone, but I'm saying there is a lot of that. Because, like I said, there's a lot of religious people in Guatemala, and so a lot of the Christians know what makes them distinct from other denominations. But they don't necessarily always know the gospel well, you know. And so I thought that that was, that was a, a telling experience for me and, and a good opportunity to, to continue teaching down there. And I wouldn't say that's necessarily super unique to Guatemala, like the, the U.S. Has, has a lot of that as well. And this last church is also uh, about four women who are part of it and one young man. And then also Wilson, who's his son, has decided to become a member there and teach there. Uh, was the last place that we went. And uh, I'm, I, I'm encouraged by uh, this man here. He's actually the, the evangelist at uh, Catarina. And just about how Elder uh, is constantly conscientious of, of growing churches, not just numerically, but like uh, spiritually. He, he's, 
spends all day Sunday going to different churches and encouraging them and building them up. God has used him to start all of the congregations in this area. And I'm just super encouraged by him and his example. He's him as well as the other men that I already mentioned are, I think, some of the strongest men that I know of uh, in, in Guatemala. So, uh, all in all, I visited seven different churches. Um, I think that's the last slide. No, okay, this is when I was leaving Guatemala. But all in all, visited seven different churches. Ended up teaching a lot more lessons than I thought I was going to because, like I said, they would just throw me in and say, okay, teach something here, teach something here. So I ended up developing a couple more lessons while I was there. And uh, this is Elder uh, Mardo and his and Elder's son, uh, Josue. So, but all in all, uh, I can definitely see the Lord working there in Guatemala, and we just need to pray for them um, as they also are praying for us. And I thank God for that because we need their prayers um, just as much as, as they need ours. And um, the truth is, all in all, people are people, and they have the same strengths and weaknesses as we do. They have the same struggles as we do in many ways. So thank you guys for, for listening to this. And if you don't get anything else out of this, please just remember to pray for them. And I hope that you wrote some names down or you remember some names or at least some situations that you can pray for for people going forward. Thank you all.